I'm Joel Volk and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and expose strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges with blemishes and all. Grandmaster Jason Flame has led his local martial arts community for a generation. He's built his businesses with the same discipline, focus, and passion that he uses to teach Krav Maga and Karate. As you listen to this interview, as a small business person, you will find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully you'll learn something while finding inspiration and ideas from the people I introduce you to, like Jason. Hopefully you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. I really do want to thank you for being here, Jason. I find you to be a really interesting person for a couple of reasons. One is that you have was traditionally a, a business that the owner operator runs, but you really are the operator the owner rather, and you let other people operate it for you. You seem to have taken a model that's almost never delegated and found a way to delegate it and grow your business. And that of course translates into being able to grow a bigger business. One of the most important questions I get from my, my business growth counseling clients is that how do I separate myself from (laughs) the day-to-day operations? Oftentimes it's how do I separate myself from being the only only person on my sales team that I can actually sell to let, allow that growth to happen. So I, I hope we can talk a little bit about this. I want you to tell your story, but I want you to know that that's the question I want, the path I want to take us down. Okay. Uh, because that's the part I think will have the most value to the people we, we are. Who sure. are okay. So, so do me a favor, tell me a little bit about yourself and your business, how you got started, what's important to you. Take it. Okay. Perfect. Well, uh, you know, again, my name is Jason Flame, and I represent Moorpark Karate and Krav Maga. We're a martial arts school located in Moorpark, California. Um, We started our martial arts program in 1994 through the Arroyo Vista Recreation Center. It was kind of the model that I learned from my instructor. Um, I started martial arts at 10 years old in, in 1985, right around when the Karate Kid came out. And you know, that's how my instructor started our classes. That's how I got started. So when it was time for me to kind of venture out on my own, because I knew that there wasn't going to be a long-term opportunity teaching for my instructor, uh, I decided to start a program similar to how he started. And um, it, it just took off right away. In 94, we started the program. We were one of the first classes that we offered at that center. Um, it, it really opened in that year and the program continued to grow and grow, which is what I was hoping for. And my ultimate goal was to get enough students to where I could afford to rent our own facility. So in 1996, after growing the program, probably to 75 to 80 students, we were able to, to find a location. One of my students' parents happened to be in commercial real estate and he helped us find the building. It was an industrial unit and it was about 2000 square feet. I think the rent at the time was like $1,200. And I think I had maybe $1,300 to $1,500 in the <laughs> bank. And I said, yeah. well, all right, let's, let's, let's do this. I mean, we have the students that can support it. So opened that school in 96. And, and here we are in 2022 after moving seven times, seven different locations, all within Park. Here we are. And we're uh, in the Park Grove Shopping Center. Got Don Cucos and a couple of restaurants all around us. How many square feet are you in now? So we're, it's, it's funny because we started at 2,000 square feet and here we are in a 2,000 square foot facility now. It's about right. it's 2,183, I think is the exact, but <laughs> so, so, so we, we grew a little. At one time though, we had a location that was almost 6,500 square feet. It was a two-story building wow. and I'm eight guessing, different rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm guessing the, 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 the reality of COVID and the probably the inability to meet in person affected your square footage a little bit, which we could talk about too at some point but backing up a little bit the arroyo vista center is that a public park system so it is it is it's the uh, the main recreation center here in moore park it's right. the only recreation center here in moore park and uh they run classes for t-ball and basketball and you know all your typical sports and activities and we just happen to get in on the ground floor of literally when it opened to offer martial arts so for the listeners that aren't familiar with moore park because uh, we have a lot of people that are all over the country and a few scattered throughout the world um Moore Park is a suburb of Los Angeles, I guess, or Ventura County, just north of uh, Los Angeles, probably about 45 minutes from downtown L.A. and about 45 minutes from Santa Barbara, which is on the west coast of California um, and uh, very much a bedroom community. Uh, yeah. And you know, 
I was just going to say what I love to tell my friends when I want to impress them is we're about 40 minutes from Malibu Beach because everybody yes, knows right. Malibu Beach, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really a good location because you're 40 minutes from everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so got it. Got it. And uh, mainly, uh, it, so it's not a big city. It's not like it's a dense urban uh, uh, environment. It's it's a suburban environment. There's a lot of yeah. A lot of families, working class families in the neighborhood, that sort of thing, correct? Right, right. And I mean, to put things in perspective, the population of Moore Park is approximately 36,000 people. When we're surrounded by Simi Valley, which has over 120,000 people and Thousand Oaks, which again is in the 120, 130 thousand dollars 130,000 people um so yeah we're just a we're we're like this little hub right in between Camarillo Thousand Oaks Simi Valley all these big areas yeah and it it is a bedroom community you know a lot of people have have been born and raised here I mean this Uh, is this is where they've lived yeah I was gonna say it's very insular people tend to stay there people tend to do business with their neighbors they tend not to go too far outside the the, the borders of Moore Park to do business with other people. I've I've done a lot of business in that area, and you really have to, you know, convince them that you have a better value proposition because they really want to be loyal to their neighbors to their credit. That's so right. uh, yeah, I, I'm very familiar with Moore Park, and I hope uh, if you and there's some great restaurants and bars there that I think you own part of them too. We so do. so what what was the turning point that allowed you to go from hand to mouth? You know, you said you started your started with you know enough money to pay rent to have a couple hundred bucks probably for, you know, Windex and then you know, to print, print some flyers and hand them out a little bit like the, the karate kid uh, story that I'm, you know, the revamp, right. Um, right. What, what, how, what, how long did it take you to get to a point where you could start to breathe, you know, cash from cash flow perspective, from a time perspective, what was the right. turning point for you? Yeah. So we, we opened in 1996 and, and, and I was uh, just, 20, 20 years old at the time and not married, no kids, but I, my wife now we were dating then. And we had, we'd been together since I was 19, you know, we didn't have much overhead. I, you know, I lived with a couple guys and, and had an apartment. So I, I didn't really have a need to, you know, expand right away. It was like, I didn't want to go to college. So I went to college, but I really didn't want to go to college. And I knew that I wasn't going to go long-term because ultimately my goal was to grow this martial arts school. So, you know, for the first almost, I'm going to say six to eight years, it was a a shoestring budget and didn't have a lot of wants and needs. I had enough, you know, I made enough money to, to not just get by, but I, 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 at the time for a bachelor, I lived pretty comfortably, but then, you know, my wife and I got married in 1999. We bought our first home in 2000. So things start to change a little bit. Now I have, now I have a little bit more overhead. I have a little bit more reason where I need to kind of make some more money. Right. Right. I call this the phase where you have to start feeding the monster. Right. And so, you know, so things start to grow and, and I mean, it was so interesting. It's so interesting now looking back because what I did then is so very different to, to what I do now. I mean, everything was, uh, you know, just massive guerrilla marketing. I mean, I would, I would go out there, put flyers on every car, flyers in every business, hand out my business cards, attend every special event, have a booth set up, trying to get new leads, get new prospects, get people interested. Um, I would, you know, I, I learned how to cold call when I was, 17, 18 years old for my instructor, because when I worked for him, there wasn't a lot of opportunity and, uh, you know, for growth. And I said, well, what if, what if I open the phone book and I start calling people? And I literally did. I opened the phone book and just called people in to try to get them to come take class. So I took that mentality to when I opened my business and I knew that, well, work harder, make more money, work harder, make more money, right? It just, you know, that, that was the formula. And then it was in 2002 my daughter was born and I said, okay, now things really need to get serious and we need to buckle down. And I was invited by a friend of mine, actually a mentor um, who is a martial arts school owner, Mark Cox. He said, Hey, there's this event in, in Las Vegas. It's called the martial arts super show. You should go check it out. And so I did. And, and I knew successful schoolers or what I thought a successful martial arts school owner uh, was doing. And I went to the super show and was just kind of blown away by the professionalism and by the size of some of these schools, you know, three, four, 500 students doing tens and hundreds of thousand dollars a month uh, in, in martial arts. And I'm thinking, this is not what I'm doing. 
Right. And this is what I need to start learning how to do. So there was a program um, with with the organization that ran this event, the the uh, Century Martial Arts. It's the largest wholesaler of, of martial arts supplies in the country. And they have a sub company called Martial Arts Industry Association. They started running events um, with consultants that taught people how to run a martial arts business more effectively and efficiently. And so I jumped on board with that. And, you know, keep in mind, I was still not, you know, our, our income level was still not massive, but it was much more comfortable. It afforded us our, the lifestyle that we lived at the time. Right. And this is 2002 you know, still, or is this beyond about, that? Yeah, about 2000. Well, now we're about 2003, four, when I went to this first mm-hmm. event, uh, you know, the rent for the studio is, I don't know, 12 to $1,500 at this point, because it had gone up, but this program was a thousand dollars a month right. for, for coaching and consulting to learn how to run your martial arts school. And, um, it was actually my wife's blessing and idea. She's like, you need to do this. This right. is, this is going to take us to the next level. And so did, I, yeah. So, so did it, did you learn, um, about different profit centers that you perhaps were blind to totally blind, totally right. blind that's, because oh, I thought okay. let's, let's drill down that a little bit. What, what yeah. are the various profit centers that, you know, that you, you're able to capitalize on now that you may have learned then or just learned along the line? What are the, yes. So back then, you know, and most martial arts schools pretty much bank on the monthly payments or, you know, their billing check from their clients, right? Right. You know, membership fees come in and, and, and that's what most martial arts schools um, survive on. And so up to a certain level, that's that you're only going to go so far. So we learn how to maximize our income through the five profit centers and in our business. And, and really this could apply, I think to any business is you got your new customers, right? Then you have your upgraded services. So we have what we call an upgrade program. So there's upgraded services. There's our, our retail side of thing for us, you know, uniforms, t-shirts, sparring gear, um, special events, being able to host, you know, self-defense seminars, parents' night outs, martial arts camps, you know, even throwing private lessons into that, that area. And then, and then really focusing on your retention as well. So retention would be that monthly billing check, right. Of your monthly payments. But now you've got, now we've got five profit centers instead of just the one. And that changed everything from that program alone. I, we literally tripled our income within the first 90 days of receiving consulting from this firm. That's worth a thousand dollars a month. A hundred percent. And yeah. I pay it again. <laughs> and of those five, which ones are the ones that bring you the highest profit margins? So the highest profit is, is going to be our upgraded programs. Our right. upgraded programs are. So is that a value same. add? Is that a value add that? Uh, yeah. So, so we've got a basic training level, right? You come in at the basic level and you're getting so many classes uh, a week and your payment is X dollars a month. But mm-hmm. then we've got this upgraded program where you can t- attend unlimited classes and you have access, you know, think of it like this. You got first class on a, on a plane ticket and you got, you know, coach or economy, right? I mean, the, it's a different level of experience. I would imagine that as you, as you're in business for a while and now you've, you're, I think I read you're a seventh degree black belt. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So my understanding, and you I, you can tell how little I know about martial arts, so I, I apologize in advance, but my understanding is that all of the levels indicated by belts are really the learning process. When you really are ready to really learn the philosophy of martial arts is when you hit the black belt. Right. And then that, now you've got all the basic skills and the fundamentals down to where you can start to learn the real advance and in-depth the real beauty of martial arts. Is that, is that correct? A hundred percent. You know, we, we always say that earning a black belt is literally just a new beginning, right? You, you train from white belt to black belt that can take anywhere from three to five years, but Mm. where the real learning, the real experience comes from is as a black belt. And it takes two years to get to second degree, three years to get to third, four to fourth and so on. So, uh, you know, you're gaining, not just more knowledge, but a, a better understanding, as you said, a better understanding of the art, especially through teaching, because as right. anybody else knows. That's where I was going with it is that now that you've got you've been in business all this time and you've probably developed a lot of people that are also black belts. Now, these become not only your clients who are probably with you for life because you've built a very high level of connectivity between all of them and all of you, but they, do they become your new sales force or your new uh, training force? Or they become, they give you, 
in other words, is that what you need to get to the place where you can have exponential growth? Because right. you've got this core of people that are already your zealots, if you will. Right. So this is something that took me so long to learn because being a martial artist, being on me. the mat, right? <laughs> it's like everybody, all eyes on me, spotlights right. on me, all the attention here. And and in any business, in, in any activity, there's only so far you can go on your own, right? Sure. And so um, I learned later than I would have liked, but nonetheless, I learned it, that incorporating a team of people that help you know, facilitate all the needs of the school. Um, I have different facets or different levels of, of team members. So typically, you know, you're, you're going to start obviously as a student and, and those students that have the energy and the passion and the excitement for martial arts are going to learn how to be a, a leadership team member. So first thing would be, you're going to go through leadership training and how to assist with class. And this is, this is well before they're hired. This is just as a student taking their training to the next level of learning how to assist class. And, you know, what's great about martial arts is it does teach that built-in leadership ability and leadership skills to set the example, to set the tone, but also to learn how to explain a technique, learn how to, you know, repeat a process, right? I mean, that's what we're doing is we're just right. we're learning processes and we're repeating the process. So from a leadership member, you know, then that's where we look for hiring our assistant instructor level staff members. That's when they'll become an employee. So because part of the training to become a black belt is to learn how to mentor other people, mm -hmm. what happens if somebody has great physical skills, but they simply don't have the communication skills? Can they, can they reach the height? And what I'm getting at is also I've learned in my life that sometimes the best way to learn something is to try to teach somebody else what you've learned. It gives you a, a clearer way to communicate about it, to see it. it gives you a clearer way to just give you a deep dive into how, how, how things work an insight that you maybe right. didn't realize you had to try to teach it. So can you be a black belt and be a poor communication? Can you, you can be a black belt and not be an instructor and not mm -hmm. ever have to teach. You can be a right. black belt and focus on yourself and your training, mm -hmm. but I have worked with several instructors that are amazing martial artists, but not very good teachers. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with amazing teachers that are maybe not the best martial artists. And I've worked with people that are amazing martial artists, but have zero sales experience and people that are very good at sales, but can't do a kick to save their life. Right. So all of it, all of the skills, you know, when you go back to the teaching portion, that's why we have the leadership program to see who we can choose from to start hiring for our team. So the leadership members are going to demonstrate, you know, attitude and the aptitude for the technique. And then, you know, as far as the business skills, the sales, the, the phone skills, the customer service, that to me is, is very easy to teach through the processes that we've created over the time. But we have to find the right personality to be able to, you know, work with people on a regular basis. So here, so here's the question that I want to ask and that I think is going to apply to businesses of all types. Then, this is, Believe it or not, I had a plan to this. <laughs> so I, I know I took a long way to get there. Perfect. Okay. So as an employer, yes. what skill set are you looking for most? The, the actual technical ability, the communication ability, the interpersonal ability, the mentoring ability, what, what is it, what are you most willing to live without in that skill set, Or what are you most looking for? Because you know, that person will be, be able to take the net, be able to rise to a higher level because of that. Right. The, the number one, the number one trait that I look for is an outgoing, friendly personality. Someone that people will like over time as they get to know them and they learn to trust them because we talk about that when we talk about referrals, right? We, we get referred new business by those same things, people we like, people we know, people we trust. Right. And so if they're someone that has an excellent outgoing personality, that's the very first thing that I look at. The second thing, of course, would be that they're coachable, right? They need to be coachable because just because they have a great personality, maybe their martial arts skills need some technique. I can work with that. What questions, do you, ask, what questions do you ask in an interview to determine if they're coachable? Well, you know, 
I like to do fun things in interviews. Um, like I usually will start with a, with a, a private lesson. I will teach them and I will see how they respond to me. And then I will watch them teach somebody else and see how that person responds to them. So for me, being a, you know, martial arts, being a physical activity, right. You know, and there's a lot of hands on, I like to see those two things. Um, Cause some people are really good talkers too. Yeah. Right? You could be a great talker, but maybe you're not really doing it. So, so if you have somebody, ones. if you have somebody who's a great martial artist uh-huh. and, and he's not working out because he doesn't have the, the likability index mm-hmm. that you described or the communication skills and he's not coachable. Come on, between you and me, are you a little afraid to fire him? He's going to kick your ass. Come on. I'm not because I'm the head instructor. (laughs) I probably taught him since he was a kid. So, no, I'm not afraid. But, but you know, uh, when I when I see that someone is uncoachable. Yeah. And that's a that's a really tough one, because if you're not willing to take instruction, if you're not willing to take critique, you're probably not going to be trusted by the students and, and the rest of the team, right. you know, keep in mind, most of my, most of my team comes from kids that started when they were eight, nine, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. They've been with me, you know, we, we hire at 14. So they've been with me at least five, yeah. six years. Yeah, you've and, got and a farm then, system. You've got a farm system for hiring. Most, most employers though, most employers don't have the luxury of a farm right. to hire their, their team. So that's a beautiful part of your model is, you know, that's how you're offering them a job. You've been interviewing them for this job for 12 years. Exactly. So, so you, you exactly. get to see it all. You know, one of the questions uh, a very a, a very learned friend of mine taught me to ask when is is tell me about the last problem you had on a job and what caused it. And if the person starts out with blaming somebody else, mm-hmm. then he pretty much that pretty much that's it for him on the other thing. And I, right. on the other side, he probably won't hire that person because they're not taking responsibility for whatever challenges they face that didn't go according to plan. And recently, it's funny, recently, uh, a professional I know that was let go of his job for not, not following instructions. And he was a pretty key employee reached out to me. And he, he the first after a year, it'd been a year since he'd been gone. And the first thing he said was, it's been a year since XYZ slapped me in the face. And I thought, boy, I can never hire you. I can never refer you. Because I, I, I even if that was starting out with this victim mentality is so such a bad way to, to, to describe a problem that you overcame. And right. um, what a great, in your world, you don't ever have to worry about that because as you said, you've been farming them the whole, their whole career. Well, and, and what's even better is, you know, for me is that I, I do, I get to cherry pick from my leadership, you know, based on, uh, you know, several of those criteria, I, I get to really cherry pick who I hire and, you know, 95% of the people that have ever worked for me, I was their first employer, right. their first job. And, and I can't tell you how rewarding that is too, at the same time to hire some at 14, knowing they've never had any job experience. Cause that's something they're going to remember forever. But some of the ones that have gone on that had worked for me 10 years plus and went into another career coming back and telling me, Hey, some of those things that you instilled in me, whether we were teaching martial arts or whatever we were doing, you know, that helps me as a law enforcement officer that helps me in, you know, real estate that helps me in construction. Yeah. And it's, you know, that that's, that's huge to me to have that opportunity, but yes, I, yeah. I'm pretty lucky and I don't envy those people that have to, you know, really search because there's been times where I've considered hiring from the outside and I've done it. And quite honestly, for, for, for me or my field or for my culture in my school, it just doesn't seem to work out as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so that comes down to fundamentals. You know, there are certain fundamentals. If you're a, in martial arts, if you're a musician, there's certain fundamentals. If you're a gymnast, there's certain fundamentals. If you have those fundamentals down, they translate to other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing you're a very good teacher and your school's a very good school because you're clearly teaching those fundamentals. Otherwise, they wouldn't have that type of success. Tell so. me about the makeup of your people. Do you have uh, women students and do you have women instructors? Um, currently I have one female instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a, a young teenager, um, freshman in high school. Right. Um, she has, she's had experience in martial arts, um, since she was very young. She one out of came, how many? Uh, one out of five. So is that common in your field to have mainly men instructors? You know, there's been times where it was, it was more 50, 50, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, it's hard to say is it common that there's more men than women in martial arts? Um, I think that 
maybe people gravitate, you know, the, the boys gravitate a little bit more to this because girls might gravitate towards gym gymnastics yeah. or dance a little bit more. But, you know, I've had several women on my team, both in the past and, and the one currently now. And, and what's great in martial arts too, though, is that, you know, we don't look at men and women on the mat. I mean, everybody's treated equally, respectfully, mm-hmm. and, right, but she's, she's a, she's a super talented kid and right. has actually stepped up, you know, quite a bit uh, with our team right now. Interesting. Um, is there a demand? In other words, if, if I had a daughter, would my daughter prefer to have a female instructor? Do you think, or do you think they would have, they would prefer a male instructor or it doesn't matter they're agnostic? Well, I, I will say that, you know, a lot of the little girls that take our class and we do have a ton of, of young girls that take classes um, from yeah. the ages of three and up. And absolutely, you know, a young girl is going to gravitate towards, you know, the female instructor. I think, you know, it's yeah. like little girls look up to Wonder Woman and and, and the boys look up to, t- to Superman. Although right? I, know a just, lot of, I know a lot of guys that look up to Wonder Woman, too. Yeah. <laughs> How do you give back to the community? And I, I'm making a big assumption that you do, and maybe you don't, but but I, I, just a little bit I know about you. I'm going to guess that you're a person that has your fingers in the community and and is generous with your time and resources. It, uh, it is. Since you came from a humble beginnings, like I do, it's important to me to give back in a, right. in a variety of ways. So how do you do that? Yeah, so, you know, I think that that's one of the, um, the top tier things that sets our school apart from not just any other martial arts school in the area, but most businesses in our area, you know, although we're a tight knit community and everybody kind of works together, you know, one of the things that we love to do is, is be involved in the community through the recreation center, through the, you know, the different chamber of commerce, rotary, different service organizations. My wife is a member of Kiwanis. So um, it all started, I think, you know, we've talked about this story before is is it all started with a, a service project that I did very early on with our martial arts school, which is, is we started a kickathon. And, and what that kickathon was is, you know, every kid did X number of kicks and they go out and they get pledges and sponsorships, just like they might do at school with a jogathon. And then we, we collect that money and we use that money to purchase food. And we do this right, you know, in November around Thanksgiving time. So we nice. would take that money purchase food and put together food baskets for our Moore Park Pantry Plus is, is our food pantry here. And we've worked with them for, for many, many years. And we're also now working currently with Team Wish, which is a new organization that does similar, uh, providing Thanksgiving dinners, also provides gifts at, at the, the holiday season. And so that was the very first thing that we did that really kind of launched things into to back up, just to give the backstory on that, you know, you said I come from humble beginnings. My my childhood was full of, you know, lots of ups and downs. My dad was in construction, and when things were good, things were great. When things were bad, uh, you know, it was it was pretty slim. And there were times where we needed, you know, some assistance. And so my mom took me. She says, "Let's go to the grocery store." And I'm thinking we're going to the grocery store, you know, go grocery shopping. Um, but she said, we're going to go, we're going to go get some food. And we stop at this lady's house and, you know, we walk to the door. She greets us, walks us into her garage and here's, you know, all the cans and powdered milk and block cheese and that whole bit. And, uh, you know, at the time, I don't think I truly understand it. I was just kind of a little, I didn't know. Right. And so I remember that and that that's kind of stuck with me. And that was, that was really the one thing in my life that I said, when I am in a position that I can give back for what those that have done for me, I will put myself all in. And so that's where the kickathon project came from right. to, to purchase that food, donate it. And we've done it uh, since I think it was 2012 was the first time we did it. Oh, that's your tenth year then. That's awesome. We are going to take a short break and be right back. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low-income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID-conscious trainers to keep their members active, even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to Special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.com cause.org that's fit the numeral for the cause.org welcome to our new sponsor jorgensen hr 
Jorgensen HR believes that an employer's workforce is the single key to customer satisfaction, reputation growth, profitability, and the ultimate success of the company. Jorgensen HR works to ensure that employers are in compliance with federal, state, and local HR laws and helps assist them with almost everything else HR. Driven by passion and guided by expertise, Jorgensen HR. Please remember to mention Small BizCast when you call 661-600-2070 or visit them online at jorgensenhr.com. You may remember Janice Miller of Miller Haga Law Group from our episode, Saving Nigel in season one. Miller Haga supports businesses of all sizes from large to small. No matter what phase your business is in, from startup to wind down, Miller Haga Law Group acts as your innovative general counsel. Their experienced team of lawyers will keep the gears of your business turning. If you want to minimize your liability while maximizing your profits with competent and efficient counsel, contact MillerHaga.com for more information. That's MillerHaga, H-A-G-A.com. If you know of anyone who feels lonely on their way to the top, I can help. Hot Dog Business Growth is for companies of all sizes. For people new to business, we offer the Pay It Forward Roundtable, a monthly half-day panel discussion with your peers, coupled with one-to-one private counseling with me. This is super affordable and the best OJT you'll ever get as you learn to grow your business. For the more seasoned, Hot Dog Business Growth offers counseling for leadership and teams. We offer sales strategies and team synergy, as well as customer service assessments and training. Our decades of business experience is on tap for you and your team. Schedule your no-obligation conversation at hotdogbizgrowth.com. We are back. I'm speaking with Jason Flame of Park Karate and Krav Maga. Let me ask you this question. It seems to me that a lot of who you are is what you do for a living. Is that a fair statement? That I would say so. I mean, that, I, everybody asks me, what do you do? I say I'm a karate guy. Well, you know, you, you seem to, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of discipline and hard work and training and, and focus on goals in what you do professionally. And given, given um, the challenges that you talked about, it seems like, you know, th- these skills are what you learn from martial arts and this is what you're giving back to martial arts. Do you have programs that offer scholarships for people that maybe cannot afford your program? Well, to directly answer the question, do we offer scholarships? The answer is yes. And we offer them in two forms. Uh, One is we provide scholarships to students in the high school level to go on to college so that they could use that for further education. But actual money, you mean actual money that you. We do. We do. We have. uh, Gotcha. um, Morepark Karate and Krav Maga scholarship, you know, um, our, our requirements are that they're, they're going to continue their education, whether it's trade school or college, they have at least a 2.5 GPA and that they want to do something in a, in a physical field. Those are our, those are our criteria. So that's a scholarship that we offer just again, as community service, something to be involved with Morepark high school. But as far as for training with us, you know, I was once again, when, I was training in martial arts and I started when I was 10 years old. There were times that things were great and things were not great. And my parents could afford it when we signed up. And then there were times they're like, I don't think we can go. So my dad was able to work out a deal with my instructor and, and do construction, you know, whatever, take care of stuff in the studio. And we would trade, we would barter. And um, I don't really do that anymore, but I have never turned a student away. I've never turned a student away that couldn't afford it. If they told me that they wanted to train, I would find a way to create a scholarship. And one of the ways that we create a scholarship is we kind of do it through a a referral program. If they refer a new member to our school at any time, they get a $75 credit to our school. Well, for every referral that they get, I just credit that back towards their tuition or towards their monthly payment. So I've never turned anybody, anybody away for money, but sometimes people are prideful and it's hard for them yeah. to take advantage of it, you know? Right. Right. Well, I'm really glad I asked you the question because I think it's a really good answer. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I, um, I, I give scholarships to young entrepreneurs to tell, teach them how to do be better business people um, for exactly that reason that it took me a long time to get, to get competent as a business owner. And had, I, I wish somebody was around when I was younger uh, starting out and uh, I would have stubbed my toe a few fewer times and, you know, 
you know, might probably have hair right now if that was, the case. <laughs> uh, you know, but because it, because it was hard learning to be good at business, it was hard learning these things and still, you know, keeping your head above water. And it sounds like you have a similar story. So I, I, I think giving back to the people that are in our, were in our shoes is really critical. And I'm one of them. I'm very proud of that. And by the way, the people that I've been mentoring under this program, I'm really proud of them too. They're really, uh, they really impress me all the time. They, I, I learn as much from them as they do from me. So that, yeah. that's part of the joy of it is, you know, is you, you kind of get paid in a different way when well, you give, when you give back in a manner like that. So yeah, and I, I want to touch on that a little bit too because the, you know there there's one student in particular uh, on my mind right now who is a scholarship student here at our school, and he started with me when he was about three years old, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's he's in middle school now. He's trained with me kind of on and off. Um, he's got a, you know, a background where there's been some, you know, domestic abuse, there's been, um, Mm. you know, problems in the home. And he's just one of those kids where I know that he could go this way, or he could go that way, right? Like he could go down the wrong path, or he could stay on that straight and narrow. And, and, and martial arts has brought the discipline. Martial arts has kept him respectful. You know, he's got a really strong uh, maternal figure, but not so much the father figure in his life. And, yeah. you know, it's pretty, pretty powerful to know that you have that kind of relationship with a student mm-hmm. and, and know that we have that kind of, you know, impact on someone's life. Well, then thank you on his behalf and congratulations. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's really, that's something that's nice to be able to say and say yeah. with, the, with the pride that you do. Um, so let's, let's pivot ourselves to your pivots. I got to think the COVID reality really caused you to rethink your model. Um, yes. Probably couldn't meet in person for some time. You probably had to employ some technology that you didn't anticipate employing. Tell me what your process was and how you made the COVID reality work for you. Absolutely. When, when COVID hit, we didn't really know day by day what was, what was happening. You know, what, what, what were, what were the requirements? What were the, you know, what were the things that we couldn't do? And cause I remember it was the Friday before they, you know, before a, a full shutdown happened the Friday, our thought going in, cause we had kind of tapered down class sizes and did some things, but our goal was to come back on Monday and do one-on-one private lessons, you know, right. and just kind of do that as long as we could. And then we were told by, you know, by the state and by the county that we cannot do any physical in-person training. Mm. And so um, this was on, you know, over the weekend or Monday morning or something, we were supposed to do private lessons on Monday. Well, I don't know what it was or, or I, I guess because we had been doing Zoom meetings for other, you know, other parts of our business and Zoom, it was already part of, you know, some of our processes that I said, well, we're just going to have to teach online, you know, and, and not many of my friends were doing that at the time because they didn't know what to do yet. Right. Did you and already so, have the camera set up and did you have everything ready to go? Well, so we literally took a, uh, took an iPhone, yeah. put it on a tripod and, and went at it that way. I mean, right. and then, and then it expanded to where we, you know, we had a good ca- a better camera, better sound, uh, you know, we got a big TV screen up so the instructors can see all the kids on there. Cause you know, it's one thing when you got four kids on screen, but when you got like 30 to 40 kids on screen, right. they yeah. start getting real small. Sure. So, uh, hard to so, correct a hard to correct form when you can't see them. Well, and keep them from going to the bathroom and keep them from flopping on the couch and mom <laughs> trying to step in and teach them karate who doesn't know what they're doing. So, so we literally, you know, on a Friday had the plan to come in on Monday to do private lessons right. and we went to zoom, we went to zoom and we stuck on zoom. Um, as I think, I, I think we were probably around 60 days, uh-huh. I, I think. And, uh, you know, that taught us a lot because, you know, at this point we had still all the same instructors. Uh, nobody was, nobody was let go. Nobody was, uh, you know, had to take a hiatus really. And, uh, I, I've actually got one, one instructor that's right here in the school now who is our head instructor, but, um, you know, he was an assistant instructor at the time and he was kind of a, a newer instructor and not quite as vocal uh-huh. and a little bit shy and so all of a sudden this kid starts teaching classes on zoom and I feel like I'm watching a cartoon or I feel like I'm watching a, you know, a Disney movie. That's like got me on the edge of my, the edge of my seat. Right. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? And I can't tell you the, the, the lesson learned and the skills gained, you know, everybody 
kind of complains about, you know, Zoom was Zoom was no good and Zoom was this and that. Well, it is what it is. We had to do it. But this instructor was able to step up and I mean, just I mean, had these kids mesmerized, right? You know, learning martial arts over a screen. Yeah. You know, so what, what a, a great opportunity lesson. that was. Yeah. What a great lesson in being able to find that hidden talent somebody has. And then then were you able to take that person and have them teach the other people what he does? Or was was is it one of those things that you either you have it or you don't? Well, so you know, we had a couple other instructors teaching on Zoom and they all had their, you know, their personal style and flair. Um, but then things started opening back up. So then we had classes going on on Zoom and classes going on on the mat. Right. So, you know, this young man, I kept him on Zoom and let him do his thing. And he was awesome at it. And then we had the other instructor teaching, you know, and then we were able to kind of loosen things up and come back inside. We're teaching inside again, back in person. Everybody's a little hesitant, not sure what's going on, uh, because I got to tell you, you know, three and four year olds, first of all, it's hard for them to focus, but it's hard yeah. for them to acclimate to new people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, take them out of social situations for 30 or 60 days. And it's like, they've lost all sense of uh, reality, you know, so to speak. Right. And so we come back and then they shut us down again. Yeah. So, right. We should get shut down again. And this time we decide to go outside. And so we're allowed to teach outside, which, you know, it's so weird for me to say it now because it's so normal for us to do our training outside. But when I was coming up the ranks, like, we didn't train in shoes. We didn't train in t-shirts. It was <laughs> yeah, full yeah. uniform belt, like everything. That was and part, like, of, that was part of the discipline was come prepared to learn. Right. right. And you yeah, only yeah. trained on the mat in the school. Well, right. so going outside was like kind of foreign, but now having done it and we taught outside for probably three or four months. I mean, we got in the wind, in the rain, in the, you know, the dark, you know, we had to set up stuff outside and uh, it, that has changed, you know, so having Zoom has changed our ability to reach more people because I have instructors now that train with another instructor in Colorado yeah. on Zoom. You yeah, know, it's a great opportunity. And yeah, now mean, we're training outside more. I mean, I, so now I, I assume as an employer, you have to look for a different skill set. And here's what I mean by that is, you know, I love going to the gym and taking a spin class in person. I, I got to know my fellow spinners and I got to know my instructors. Right. And we were kind of right. friends. And now. I'm Peloton, you know, and the Peloton <laughs> instructors are like rock stars, you know, yeah. they're like, they have followings. They just have a great screen presence. And I don't think they can lead the same class that my friend, the instructor can lead and sure. engage the same people the same way they're engaging, you know, without being able to see or, or speak with their or engage their audience. And I got to think it's a different, somewhat of a different skill set. You still have to the fundamentals and know the, the subject matter, obviously, sure. but being able to command an audience when you're not face to face with them is a different, totally, totally different. different thing. It is a different skill set. And the great thing is the, the instructor team that I have now has got a taste of both. Yeah. Like they've seen right. both sides. And so they can, they can blend very quickly and easily, which is, you know, which has been really nice. So what's next for you in the studio? What's next for me and the studio? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I always thought, when I was, when I was much younger, that my ultimate goal would be to open as many martial arts schools as I could and have them all over the country. You know, I had a taste of that back in, in 06, 07, we opened a second school and and I opened that second school for completely the wrong reason, because the reason I opened it was because I said, I want to open more schools. And I think it was more ego driven than it was system driven. And so the combination of not having the right systems, not having the right staff. And of course, in 08, when everything crashed, just timing was super bad. But I got a taste of that. And I got to say that I don't really have any interest in owning another martial arts school. I've, I've taken some interest in you know other businesses. We partnered with a, a new restaurant here in town. We're getting ready to open uh, an ice cream parlor. So I'm kind of dabbling in that and, and still doing a lot of community service. What's next for me in the school is to continue what I'm doing now, which is building an instructor team that can completely 100% replace me because I still love to teach and I would teach every day. But, you know, I've learned that even now I have an instructor who, again, same, same kid, you know, he, he hasn't been feeling well the last, last kind of week. Right. And like, dude, take a day off. He's like, no, I'll be in. No, no, take a day off. It's okay. Right. Don't worry about it. He's like, and, and I had, my wife was kidding with me and she goes, I don't think he wants you to teach because you're going to screw up his system. 
Oh, and, and, you know, and how cool is that, though, that I've got, you know, instructors that have that much passion and that much responsibility and that much, you know, taking ownership of right. the school, kind of like I did with my instructor. Right. You know, I, and by the I, way, I think that's the secret to growing a business. I think you have to empower your people to take ownership right. in what they're doing. And once they once they do that, that frees up you leadership to then be able right. to grow your business more because you're not, you don't have to micromanage. That's the last guy he's to micromanage. Right. He, he's going to do it better than you are. Presumably that one element of the business. When it's, when it's so, ego, when it's ego driven, it's a challenge when it's ego driven. Right then, you know, it's me, 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 me. And, you know, I find a lot more, I, I feel so much better about when I see my team succeed in, in a lot of different areas in the karate school. Uh, when I'm on a, a team of board of directors, I find so much more excitement and pride in watching someone that I taught how to do something succeeding and doing it not only maybe as well as I did, maybe doing it better than I did. Right? My goal, my goal is for my students to surpass me in, in skill and talent and success. Yeah. Uh, just, just as my kids, I want my kids to, you know, have a higher level of success than me. So have you thought, and this is something we haven't talked about at all. Again, one of those things I feel like I'm putting you on the spot for, but that's what sure. I like to do. Have you thought about then being able to replicate this, not by opening up schools yourself, but by licensing, you could license your process. Mm-hmm to one of your guys that has proven that he can run the business, help him on the business side of it while right. empowering him to run his own business, have that person open the second school, sure, be a mentor to them and, and just replicate what you're doing through the people you're bringing up. Since you're bringing up this farm system of people that presumably have great skill set and they right. have your qualities because they've been mentored by you for their whole adult lives. Right. Isn't that a natural progression for your business next step? It, it could be, it could be, um, you know, I've thought about that a lot. And, um, and I have friends that have, you know, they, they license their schools out and their systems and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I still like to be in it. I still like to have a part of, of this school and, and putting my name on something else out there. I'm just not in that mindset yet. I, and, and it's also because I've seen the way our staff turns over because I don't want to license someone that I haven't brought up. Right. I don't want to put someone in a school and call it my name when it's not really my stuff. But if I had an instructor and this is where I made the mistake, you know, opening the second school before is that I just basically split my team in half. Half went here, half went there. And I tried to bounce back and forth and fix the problems as they went. Um, You know, my team is very young. You know, we're talking from 14 years old to 20 years old. Right. My, my, my assistant instructors are 14 you, years old. You were 19, if I'm not mistaken. I was. I was. And, and you know, I think I come from a little bit different uh, background and era. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur. My dad looked yeah. for every opportunity to, to make things happen because that's what he needed to do. He didn't have a college degree. As a matter of fact, he never even graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he knew how to hustle and he knew how to work. And I learned that. Um, I think this generation now does not have that and is not looking to hustle the same way. I think, you know, at least the the people that I've come across, they have learned how to uh, take a process that they learn and just do what they're asked to do. So I'm going to take a little issue with you because I, I think it's easy to take that leap of opinion. I think it's easy to do that. But you were 19. How many of your fellow 19-year-olds were, were able to start a business at 19 and succeed? I'm guessing it was just you, right? You. And I know that because it was just me had the right. same situation. There's there are other diamonds in the rough out there that have similar that 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 can do this. There are. And my and because they're gravitating towards you, I'll bet you they're out there. And I'll bet you that the, our the generation ahead of us would have said to us and to me and you that it couldn't be done also. There's going to be always going to be some people that can pull themselves up by the bootstraps and other people that should go get a job at the at the library. And there's nothing right. wrong with either one of those by the way. Right. I don't mean to sound like there is because I'm more comfortable in the entrepreneurial world, which is why we're here by the way. This is my right. comfort zone, but they're they're out there. They're out there. And I know that because I'm mentoring young entrepreneurs and because I'm I'm all I do is help other companies grow and I see these people that have ambition and drive and vision similar to what I did and what clearly you had when you were 19 years old. Right. 
So I'm going to throw that out there and leave that. Well, at death. Do you want to finish up? I want you to finish your last thought. Well, no, I was just going to say, if you, if, you, if you know anybody, uh, send them my way, let them come learn some martial arts and we'll see what they do from there. But yeah, you know, I think again, you know, ultimately the, the goal right now is to completely 100% replace myself yeah. and, and teach those people below me to continue to do that. Because again, you know, the 20 year old kid who's running this school 90% of the time when I'm not here, uh, I constantly tell him, look for the next person to replace you yeah. because whether you want to do this forever or not, it's a nice place to be when you can have a team that's helping you take care of and you can delegate to instead of, you know, I mean, my, my instructor, God bless him, but he's, you know, in his seventies and he will probably teach un, until he can't anymore. Right. And right. he teaches because he has to. Right. Right. And I just, I would hate to see my team be in that position to where they feel like they have to, instead of they get to. Right. And that's of course the difference between a, person who has a craft and goes into business or a person who has a business and chooses a craft. That's the difference between that. You're the latter, clearly. Jason Flame. By the way, is Jason Flame your real name? Because that's such a great name. Is it a real name? It's, it's on my birth certificate. Everybody okay. asks. And yes, it is. Jason. All right. All right. You know, I wasn't uh, blessed with a name that made people, you know, st- you know, you say the word flame, they might run out. You know, you can't say your name in a theater. I think that's an important, right. <laughs> I think that's an important <laughs> distinction. Thank you so much for being on Small Discast. Great conversation. And I hope to see you again soon. And maybe you can help uh, mentor some people on our side, too. Absolutely. I appreciate the time. And thank you for, for the opportunity to talk to the audience. And, you know, if you ever need anything, just let me know. Thank you so much, Jason. That was awesome. Jason Flame is the Grand Master and owner of Moorpark Karate and Krav Maga in Moorpark, California. I just want to thank you, Jason, for sharing your stories and the wisdom to our audience. There certainly is a lot to unpack, and I, I believe we all got a lot out of it. Mickey Kennedy of ereleases.com is our next guest. He has succeeded by bringing a modern approach to a traditional business. His success has come from some aha moments that were transformed from great challenges. Here's a sneak peek. I think that the sensationalism still is something that it doesn't work very well in a third person document. But you know, that being said, I do encourage people to be contrarian. If everybody in your industry is talking about a subject and they're taking this one uh, approach to it, if you're willing to take the opposite approach, you'll probably get media pickup because no one else is out there speaking for the other side. To the audience, thank you. Thanks for sharing us on socials. Thanks for telling your friends about it. Thanks for your ideas. And thanks for all the suggestions that we get. I appreciate anything you say on social media, Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you want to listen to our other episodes, go to www.smallbizcast.com. Thanks a million. Hot dog. It's a wonderful life.